On this episode of Basement Banner presented by the Fish Tank Apparel, we start by going over round two in the NBA. LeBron James has absolutely owned the Raptors this series, and it seems destined that a meeting with the Celtics in the conference final is imminent. Out west, although the Jazz and the Pelicans have put up good fights, it seems that we are getting the conference finals that we've all wanted to see this season in the west between the Rockets and the Warriors. Shifting to the NHL, Vegas and Tampa now make up half of the conference finals. With two huge Game 6s tomorrow night, we preview the matchups and make predictions for which series, if any, will go to a decisive Game 7. We wrap it all up this week, going all around the MLB, talking everything from Yankees to the Angels, Mets, and Diamondbacks. Let's do it. Hello, everybody. Back by Power Demand. It's Baseman Banter. David Giacomino alongside Tom Takashuski. Tom, how we doing? Doing pretty good, Dave. A little sore. A little half marathon this morning, but I, I, I'm, I'm playing hurt, but I'm playing, here. I'm here for the team. Playing hurt. Half marathon. You said it was an hour 38 you ran it? Hour 38 I ran it. Fastest one I've ever done. Pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. Pretty impressive. And I'm feeling every single minute, every single second I'm feeling right now. Yeah, on top of that. We went golfing after the half marathon, so we played a little. Uh... And and when given the decision, do we want a cart or do we want to walk it? I was, ah, walk it. <laughs> yeah, come on, it ain't that bad. Oh, uh, by by hole six, I was done. I was I was shot. Struggling. Yeah, struggling big time. But if anybody was wondering, I did come out on top. I I, I won golf. Well, that's because this morning, um, you slept. <laughs> I ran a half marathon. I, so. I didn't sleep that much, but still. Anyway. Um, a lot going on. We missed last week. You know, a lot of things going on, but we're back. Uh, NBA playoffs. LeBron James is going to be LeBron James. You know, he just is playing out of his mind right now. Cleveland just making Toronto their bitch, and like, like always, you know, like I don't. There were people saying before the the series started that, you know, oh Toronto's got a good team. This is a different year. You know, they're going to give him a run for the money. They I might like actually win. A shot at me. Yeah, I am <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, uh, you weren't even well, the only one saying it. There were so many people saying, oh, Toronto might actually beat Cleveland. And I, and I was like, there's no chance. This is going five games max. And now it's th- with Cleveland up 3-0, it's going to be a clean sweep. There's no chance Toronto's winning a game. They're so depleted. They're, they're lifeless right now. Yeah, kind of like with hockey, what we were saying with Alex Ovesh and how he can't get past the Penguins, how he get, can't get past the Penguins. This is like that on like a, a, a larger scale because – Toronto can't even win a game against Cleveland. Couldn't win a game during the regular season. You know, couldn't win a game in playoff series prior. And then you know, they made a statement around one, putting up a good series against Washington, not looking like the, the old playoff choker selves that the Raptors are. And you, you had some hope for this team coming into this series. And then game one, okay, you lose. LeBron didn't have a great night, but you still lost. That's never a good sign when LeBron doesn't have a good night, but you still lose. But all right, you thought maybe... Game two, you'll get it back. No. Nope. Game three, no. It's just it's it's ridiculous how much LeBron James owns the Toronto and Raptors. It's even more insane that he had a bad night and he had a what triple double. <laughs> that, that first game, he said that he had one of his worst games of his career. Played forty seven out of forty eight minutes. Had twenty six points, eleven rebounds, and thirteen assists. T- granted, twelve for thirty shooting. However. You still got a triple double. You still put over over twenty five points on the board. Uh, that's just crazy. So if that's a bad game for you, you must be one of the best players in the world, right? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. But you know what? He comes out game two, scores forty three. Game three, scores thirty eight, as well as hits the game winning shot in overtime, which we saw live in I, action. Absolutely incredible. I, I gotta ask this game winner. Luck? You think he meant to bank it, uh, or you just threw it threw it out of the basket? I mean, being that I played basketball, you know, just a little bit. Um, I don't think you have a mean to bank it. But you know what? If you're LeBron hey, t- James, Tim Duncan meant to bank it. it. Well, I mean, if he was eight feet away, yeah, but not from the three point line. But I think if you're LeBron James and the way the series has been going, if you throw it up and it goes off the backboard, you wouldn't be surprised. And honestly, <laughs> if he meant to throw it off the backboard in that situation, given his angle, God bless. again, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, really. You know, falling away from the basket, you know, throws it up on the lo- on the left side. Just a re- remarkable shot, and it's not surprising given this playoffs and how he's played. He's playing out of his mind. I think he's averaging like thirty-five points a game. Just he couldn't be doing any better right his now. His Wikipedia page needs to update that he's actually the owner of the Toronto Raptors. You know how they do that sometimes, <laughs> yeah. where like a team will beat someone in the championship. Like Nick Foles is actually the owner of the uh, Patriots. It should be LeBron James is the owner of the well, Toronto Raptors. Let, let's wait until they sweep him and then update the Wikipedia page. 
He owns the Toronto Raptors. I, I think and, even and, if they come back and lose the series, <laughs> you can still put LeBron James as the and owner of the Toronto Raptors. You've even seen Drake's been going to these games. I don't know if you've seen the, the altercation he had with Kendrick gotta Perkins. Feel, gotta feel bad for Drake. Yeah, but he's he's even like sitting on the sidelines, like, damn, you know, like we like it's we it's like no answer for LeBron. Like, what am I supposed to do here? I'm just sitting well, here. Well, you try to chirp the Cavaliers, but actually, the did you hear the NBA said something to drink? Like, you know, yeah, you got to cool down because <laughs> he drank, went to brawl with Kendrick Perkins, the most non-relevant Cleveland Cavalier <laughs> on the roster. Well, that's Kendrick Perkins is the guy that's supposed to. He's like the enforcer in hockey. He's the guy that's supposed to step in and, and you know protect LeBron. Granted, albeit that it hates Drake on the sideline and not at a Toronto Raptors player, but at the same time, the NBA saying something to Drake is so ass backwards because they actually want Drake sitting sideline. Yeah, it's they like, want that, that gets attention. Yeah, exactly. You want Drake. You want to see Drake sitting there on the sideline on ABC on a Sunday afternoon chirping <laughs> LeBron because that's what NBA fans love and, to see. You know, it's the same thing. It, it, it's. Be, it, it's, the buzz has been going around with these celebrities sitting on the sidelines. Because if you go over to the Philadelphia series, they got Kevin Hart sitting. Uh, yeah. They got Kevin Hart sitting on the sidelines. And even going back to the last round, he was chirping uh, Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne he was just amping up Dwayne Wade to like make him play better. So it's like I don't think uh, it's going too well for these celebrities that are trying to cheer on their team. It's not going well. For them. Well, I mean, this has been a thing since Spike Lee started doing with the Knicks, you know, twenty some years ago, and hasn't really worked out for the Knicks. No, so. so maybe they shouldn't. Get involved in the game. You just sit on the sidelines. Well, again, it brings attention to the sport and it, it gets more people interested. Maybe the casual basketball fan. Oh, maybe I'll watch Game Three. Maybe I won't because of Drake sitting oh. there. It it garners interest from maybe a non basketball fan. Yeah, uh, I guess so. But it would help if his team actually won a game. Then <laughs> then we could actually talk about it. That's a good point. I mean, that's not gonna happen now. So no, it is. I mean, also for all the talk about how last how the first round was so unexpectedly. Surprisingly good, how a lot of the series were close, and how you know Cleveland went to a game seven, Toronto and Washington went to six games, Boston Milwaukee went to a game seven, uh, OKC and Utah that was a great series that went six games, and now in the second round the NBA has kind of reverted back to this ways where the games have been exciting. Don't get me wrong, the game three with Cleveland and Toronto was awesome, that overtime game, LeBron James hitting the game when he shot, but when you look around now, you got Golden State up three one, Pelicans gave him a run game three. You know, they played outstanding. They, they managed to get a win, but that looks like it's going to be over in five. You got Houston up on the Jazz right now. That looks like that might be over in five. Cleveland looks like they're going to sweep Toronto, and Boston looks like they might sweep Philadelphia. So <laughs> I, I want to go over that Boston series because me and you especially were all on Philadelphia, the Philadelphia train. Mm-hmm. They had, they were, they, players were talking. You know, this team was just amped up. They were fired up, and they were playing great. And they come into this series and. All these games have been close, you know. Don't get me wrong, though. They're playing them tough, but it's like you expected more. They were the favorite in every, all three of those games, and they ended up coming up short. And it's 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 crazy that the turnaround and the, cra- the crazy Brad Stevens, the coaching that he's done yeah. to, you know, it, it shut down, especially Ben Simmons. You know, he's done nothing all series. Joel Embiid, he's done some stuff here and there, but he hasn't been his usual self. And, like, it's... It's got to be Brad Stevens. You got to give him all cre- all the credit in the world right now. Yeah, that, that was gonna be my main point. Going, you know, looking at the coaching of Brad Stevens, where after game one, Brad Stevens decided this whole offense runs through Ben Simmons. If we can shut him down, Jerome B can get the ball forty times in the paint, and maybe he'll score thirty of them. But as long as Ben Simmons doesn't get that ball, they can't run a fluid offense. I, at the same time, it's like all right, we I think we forget sometimes because he had such a good reg- uh, rookie season, Ben Simmons. It's still just a rookie. He's playing in the playoffs. It's yeah, exactly. heated, heated games. It's like you want to kill the kid, but at the same time, you got to remember he's no, just a I mean, rookie. You can't kill the kid. And then also, every time he gets the ball, he's getting doubled. Every time he gets the ball, he's got either Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart on him or like Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown. One of those combinations of the guards, double team Ben Simmons every time, and he's forced to get the ball out of his hands, which is exactly what Brad Stevens wants. And that kind of stagnates the 76ers' offense so much so that they can't really get a flow going. If you watch these games, yeah, they have enough talent between Joel Embiid, JJ Redick, where like teammates can help them out, but they have no fluid offense. Yeah, and you know we haven't really heard from Markel Fultz at all in this series. I don't think he's playing that much. Yeah, he's not really playing that much. Which I don't, well, uh, again, he only played a handful of games down the stretch. Markel Fultz. I feel like he can. And help. he's still a rookie, but at the same time, you can't expect much of him in a playoff game, especially when he literally has like ten games under his belt, and it took him to this point to learn how to shoot again. So I wouldn't really look to uh, to him to be the savior. I and mean, really, it's got to be Ben Simmons. He's He's the main guy of this offense, and everything goes through him. And he can't, as hard as it might be, going against Jalen Brown and, and Marcus Smart, you, you can't have a one-point game in game two. Yeah. You know? 
And so I think that really hampered it. And even in Game 3, he played better. 8 rebounds, 8 assists, but only 16 points. Joel Embiid, only 22 points. That's a signal that if you don't get Joel Embiid with you know, upwards of 25 and Ben Simmons with upwards of 20, that's kind of a sign that your offense really isn't flowing. Yeah, and it's got to gotta have some kind of coaching adjustment coming from Philly. You know, you got to change something, get the, get the team going. Because right now, what you're doing is not working. And, and, you know, Boston is shutting everything you do down. So there's got to be some type of adjustment made to, you know, to, to turn things around. I don't – I, I want to say – Boston's gonna win in four, but I, I I don't. It's hard. I don't think that Philly's gonna go down without a fight. So I'll say they're gonna win in five. The only thing that doesn't really bode well for seventy sixes here is that usually when you have a point guard, obviously you have a number one guy. He's the ball handler, but you also have a backup plan in case maybe he's not having a good game, or you have another ball handler in the lineup. The seventy sixes don't really have that. Their other guard is JJ Redick, and. As great as he is, he's not really a ball handler. And then you got Marco Bellinelli, kind of like a poor man's J.J. Redick, where it's the same thing. He's not really a ball handler. So if Ben Simmons is shut down, who are you giving the ball to to distribute and run an offense? Yeah. So that's, that's why I think this series might actually be over in four. As much talent as the 76ers has, and, and even if they get swept, the 76ers in no way, shape, or form should be disappointed no, in the uh, season that they but, have. And... and... I saw someone said this to me, and I kind of I hated to agree with it, but you know this Philly series right now is kind of opening the door for LeBron to be the savior for them in the offseason. Go sign LeBron, and he'll teach these young kids how to win. Oh, once so once they lose, it's like LeBron storylines. It's it. I mean, you hate to say it, but it's kind of true, isn't it? <laughs> like it, yeah, it, but, but he's, like, he's big. Oh, don't worry, I'll teach these kids how to win. You know, we'll go to the finals and we have a shot. Even if, if I'm the 76ers... I don't want a savior. I got Ben Simmons. I got Joel Embiid. I got Marco Fultz when he starts stepping up. I, I, I assume they're going to resign J.J. Redick. You still have a playoff roster for next season. And if Ben Simmons can take that next step, they, they were saying he could be the next maybe a smaller version of LeBron James. Listen, he showed a lot of potential. Yes, he, there's still a lot of him to go. But a combination of even just with nothing else, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, if they continue to stay healthy and take those next steps, All right, but that can be the, the two team in the East every year. Either way, if LeBron comes to you and says, I'm willing to take a meeting in and come to your team, you're, you're, they're going to take him. It's, well, it's, yeah, absolutely. But you also you don't want to bring someone like LeBron in who, yeah, maybe he'll win you a championship and everything else. and Great. But he might impede the improvement of Ben Simmons. I guess he'll win a championship. I, yeah, but at the same time, championship or championships. LeBron James is kind of a little up there in age. So do you bring him in and uh, yes. a guy like Ben I br- I, to put on the I, shelf? I bring him in, yes. Uh, it, For me, it, it, it depends. I think it'd work out. It depends who you'd have to give up, who you'd have to not resign. JJ Redick, you will not be able to resign. Marco Bellinelli, you won't be able to resign, which obviously in the spectrum of a guy like LeBron James, that's you know, nothing. But at the same time, I mean, you saw it when Melo came over. I, this is an extremely different example, but you saw it when Melo came over the Knicks. He impeded the improvement of a guy like Landry Fields. Landry Fields was having an all-star season his first year. Carmelo comes comes over. Landry Fields doesn't know what a basketball is anymore. Yeah, that's, that's just and this a Knicks luck as well. So it's whatever. Yeah, it's because you know Melo needed to shoot the ball twenty-seven times a game. All right, and you know going over to I want to go over to this Houston series now because you know this was a lot of people said it could be an exciting series. Utah was playing really well. They showed really good signs, and then. You know, Houston, everyone remembers how good Houston is. And they're playing really well. You know, James Harden, obviously, you know, MVP of the league. He's doing really well. And this, I think this Houston team is, is a really good shot, going moving forward at least. Yeah, definitely. They, they've worked through some, uh, just, wow, Ooh. some adversity here. Uh, the Jazz are, again, are kind of like the 76ers. They're a good, young, upstart team. They have veteran guys like a Ricky Rubio to compliment um, Donovan Mitchell pretty well. They have a good combination. Joe Inglis is that kid who is at the college basketball showcase every year. It looks like he does not belong there, but every time he gets on the court, he cooks. And, and every, like, every time he gets the ball, he shoots it and makes it. It's exactly. Like... He's, he is that one white kid at the showcase every year that you're like, all right, this kid's a bum. Like in, you know, my opinion, I will guard him because you know he's the other white kid, and I don't have to worry about him. And he shoots a ball in my head 35 times and ends up dunking on me as well. <laughs> he's like sneaky athletic. Yeah, and it's like ah. 
I don't. I wanted to give Utah more than five games, but the way Houston's been playing, it's not gonna happen. I will. I will give Utah six games. Um, just because I, again, I really like their team. But yeah, the Rockets are just too talented between Chris Paul and James Harden and all the shooters on their team. They're just too talented for a team like the Jazz. And now it, it, it's looking like at least we're gonna get this series that we all wanted to see coming into the playoffs: Golden State, Houston. Uh, we, we can go over to this Golden State series. You know. Uh, First two games they beat them pretty handily. Golden State, you know, then lose. They get blown out in game three. Everybody's like, oh, the Pelicans, you know, they woke up, they played really well. Maybe have they figured out an answer how to shut down Golden State? Eh, not the case. Game four, more of the same. Durant drops thirty eight as they, you know, take a three one lead. You know, Durant just played out of his mind. I feel like I was watching this game. He made it looks like he made every shot he took. Like every single time I watched him shoot the ball, it went in. So it's, it's just another day, another day for the Warriors. Yeah, plus piggybacking off that with Durant dropping 38, you also have Steph Curry back in the fold. So, yeah, the Pelicans got game three. They played out of their minds. They played great. But at the same time, did you really expect that no. game four and the Pelicans were going to come tie it up? No, I didn't. Oh, no. No, no shot. It's just like it's literally a mirror image of the other series with the Rockets and the Jazz where the Pelicans are a really fun team to watch. Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis are one of Ray, the best. Rajon Rondo. Him too. Those three are the be- one of the best trios to watch in the whole NBA. But at the same time, you can't expect them to beat a team like the Warriors with all the talent they have. The only team that could beat the Warriors and the only team that could beat the Rockets are each other. Yeah. <laughs> and that's well, what no, we're going to have to see it, in the conference final. It, they have an off-night shooting, shooting the yeah, three. I mean, so, in a seven-game series, I should say. Yeah, yeah, I should yeah, rephrase yeah. that to a seven-game series. I, I, realistically, that has to be the conference final. In the East, there's a lot of different variables going on, and you, you well, see a lot of talent and a lot of parity, you know, outside Cleveland, obviously, getting past the Raptors. But at the same time, you could get a Cleveland... 76 series, a Cleveland Celtics series where you could think, all right, those are the two best teams in the East, or, you know, it makes it From the moment the season started in the West, it had to be Rockets Golden State. Yeah. That's the way it's looking. And, it's kind of big. But it's, from what we're seeing now, it's looking like it's going to be Boston, uh, Cleveland, and it's like, it's the same, we, it's the same exact conversation we just had with Toronto. LeBron owns Boston. It's like, he every single time it's like, oh, Boston has a really good team this year. LeBron goes, oh, you know what? I'm still really good and just kills them. You know, and it's like it's it's tough. It's tough to see. And I think eventually Cleveland's gonna beat Boston in like five games too. I don't think it's gonna be a series. Game one, right? Celtics, Cavaliers. You hear glass smash, and you hear Lawson go, "By God, that's Kyrie Irving," <laughs> and he just walks out on the court after his knee surgery. You're like, "He's all good." That is the perfect time for Kyrie Irving to come back, yeah, and just strike the fear in God go, in LeBron James' go, eyes. Go. You, you see the stunned look on LeBron's yeah. face. <laughs> I can't believe it. What's he doing here? <laughs> that would be fun, but um, I mean, yeah. But at the same time, the Celtics are another team, kind of like with the 76ers. They can give LeBron James a run for his money. Listen, if the Pacers can do it, and if you can model off what the Pacers did against the Cavaliers, and you can hope that it'll only be LeBron James for the series, the Celtics can give him a run. But at the same time, now you have people like Kevin Love stepping up and complimenting LeBron James' game. Kevin Love had an atrocious game one and went 3 for 13 with 7 points. Uh, then game two, 31, game, t- well, game two, 31, game three. 21. So he's stepping up and he's playing a larger role finally, which is what it, they needed from him in the first series, didn't get. And now in the second series, it looks like he's much more comfortable. He looks like he's a little healthier because, I don't know, toward the end of the season, he wasn't exactly healthy. So he's stepping up in a big role. And if you get even one guy to compliment LeBron James, you ain't stopping the Cavaliers. Yeah, and my kind of approach to this, if I was an opposing team or if I was gonna be, eventually going to be Boston, would be just, all right, let LeBron do whatever he's going to do. Let him get his. You know, thirty points. Just get cover everybody else. You know, you know, just don't let anybody else get in the rhythm. And if they shut everybody else down, I think they can have a good shot of beat, winning a, a game, some games at least, and give them the series. Yeah, I mean that's what the Pacers did well. That the Raptors, I, I think, are so hard headed and stubborn to do is that the Pacers let LeBron have what he. You, you know, LeBron is going to get his. You know, he's going to get his twenty five, his thirty, his you know, eight rebounds, eight assists, whatever. But if you shut down everybody else. It's going to be hard for LeBron James to score 95 points a night. <laughs> yeah. so, but the Raptors don't do that. The Raptors are so hell-bent on, no, we're going to shut down LeBron James' this game. Doesn't work. And you leave guys like J.R. Smith open, and you forget about Kevin Love, and even, even the other role players like Roddy Hood and uh, Randall Cox, and they can step up. So you need to let LeBron ha- have his, but shut everybody else down. I think the Celtics can do that with their lineup. They, n- not saying they can shut LeBron James <laughs> down. They can shut their 
supplementary players down. If they do that, maybe, possibly, they can give them a run. All right, let's head over to the NHL now. Those playoffs still underway. Uh, we just saw Vegas wrap up the series against San Jose. You know, you know, you guys know we're big components of Vegas here. Uh, I had them winning versus San Jose. Not a lot of people thought they can get, you know, past another playoff series yet. Here they are. You know, Mark Andre Fleury playing out of his mind yet again, and you know, it's just it's really fun to watch this team. Yeah, I mean, just wow. I mean, an expansion team now is going to be the second team to clinch their spot in the comp in their respective conference final, and just the way George McPhee and Gerard Gallant put this whole team together, it's just been absolutely incredible to see. And one thing I noticed about the way they play, no one on that team ever takes a shift off. Yeah, they play with so much energy and effort all the time. Like we we said at the beginning of the season, like all right, it's a bunch of throwaway guys. They're playing with the chip on their shoulder, so that you know. They're hustling, they're forechecking, they're back. They're doing all you know the nitty gritty work, but eventually you think throughout the course of an eighty-two game season, and you know as you get into the playoffs, play twenty something games in the playoffs. Eventually, guys will get tired and that'll wear off. Never happened. Yeah, and another thing I love to see from this team, you know, up one nothing, up two nothing in this game, you know they're still firing away at all cylinders. You know, a lot of times you see teams just lay back, try to play defense, and try to just conserve the victory. They just are still firing, trying to get that third goal, you know, going all the way, you know, keep going, in, playing into San Jose's zone. And that's how you got to play. You can never, you know, get back on your heels and just keep going at them, attacking. Yeah, that's why Gerard Gallant's one of the best coaches in NHL is because, and why he's going to win the Jack Adams Award this year for best coach in NHL is that he doesn't overthink things. He said it when, when they first started the playoffs that he's not really going to throw out a, a certain line against you know, Anze Kopitar's line with the Kings. He's not going to throw out a certain line against Logan Couture's line with the Sharks. He's just going to let his guys play. That's what, exactly what he said going into the first series, what he won the second series. I'm just going to let my guys play. And he doesn't overthink things. And as a Ranger fan, I see this a lot, especially in the playoffs. Rangers get a one nothing lead going into the third. You can almost guarantee the Rangers will be in their zone playing defense for the next 20 minutes. And then you, you, and, and, and they'll let up the goal. But Vegas doesn't do that. They play... The same exact way, with the same exact effort, every single shift, no matter what the score is. It could be 5 nothing Vegas, it could be 5 nothing San Jose, won't matter. They're still forechecking, and they're still turning the puck around quick and trying to get yeah. up ice and, and get odd men rushes. And we've said this time and time again on this podcast, you know, they play so fast. And it's just hard to keep up with them for three periods. And when they're playing that quick, they're getting up and down the ice. And when you have a goalie playing as well as Marc-Andre Fleury, they're really tough to beat right now. And we saw through this series with San Jose, they out, Vegas outplayed San Jose for the majority of the series. I say game four when they uh, San Jose blew out Vegas. That was pretty much the only game that they outplayed Vegas. Even in the, in the losses for Vegas, you know, game two, I felt like Vegas outplayed them. They just you know had some bad puck luck. And, you know, we, we saw with, with the outcome of the series, you know, Vegas, you know, outplayed them on all cylinders and they were the better team. Yeah, absolutely. They were. I mean, Vegas did, for the most part, I think the, for, for the first time this season, kind of hit some adversity here where there were periods where the Sharks were outplaying them. But at the same time, when the Sharks were outplaying them, Fleury didn't let up the goal, you know, didn't let up the big goal that the Sharks needed to kind of turn the, the tide of the series around. Fleury, although he let up, Outside of this game, outside of game uh, six, shutting out San Jose, he had let up three plus goals in the past four games. So he wasn't exactly on his game. But it's the crazy part is before this game, he still had over a point nine four save percentage, which is utterly ridiculous, being that he had let up you know three plus goals in the last four, and it's just his save percentage was just through the roof. And again. He wraps up a series with another shutout. I believe this is his fourth shutout in the playoffs, which is just ridiculous. So he's playing out of his mind. The athleticism on that guy and how he gets from one end of the crease to the other end, how he pushes off and how he uses all the angles is just incredible. And honestly, I'm, not, I'm obviously not going to pick him because that's what I've been <laughs> doing all, all, all season. It's, it's gone this far, so I don't want to change anything. But... I don't know how anyone's gonna beat Mark Andre Fleury right now. Uh, I I don't know how anyone's gonna beat this team right now. You know, yeah. regardless of who comes out of this uh, series with the Jets and, and Nashville, you know, this is gonna be a tough team to beat. Now we we can transition over to that uh, Winnipeg series now uh, with Nashville. You know, this has been a it's been a tough series. You know, we we 
Now, we both said the Jets were going to be tough to beat. I thought Nashville would, would play a little better throughout the series and come out on top. It's not looking like that. Like, like that's going to be the case right now. Yeah, I picked the Jets to win the series in six. That actually might be the first thing I get right, you know, these whole playoffs. But, uh, um, yeah, going in, I, I said the Jets just looked like the better team. They handled their business with Minnesota. And although Nashville got out of that first round with, with Colorado, they didn't look – sharp they look sloppy and honestly the Predators look like a team who just kind of thought they were destined you know they weren't really they, they weren't sharp their their passes were all over the place they were playing piss poor defense and Pecorine has been atrocious these playoffs especially mm-hmm. on the road at home he's solid but every time he goes on the road he'll let up three four goals five goals a game and he doesn't look sharp and again the Predators just look like a team who think they were entitled to make you know, the cup run after, after the great run they had last year and being that they're, they're the number one overall seed. And I guess it's just the, the curse of the President's Trophy. They have been playing well. I, I, and and they have their backs up against the ropes here. And they have to go to Winnipeg in game six, down 3-2. And I think Winnipeg's going to close out the series. Yeah, and it, it's Winnipeg is a tough building to play. And that place Absolutely. is rocking. Yeah. So it, it's going to be hard for Nashville to come out with a victory in Winnipeg. I... I'm going to say they finish it out in six as well. I think, it, and I don't think Nashville is playing well. I don't think they go into that building and come away with a victory. Yeah, I mean, the thing that Nashville really had to focus on doing was shutting down the Jets' top line between Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and uh, Patrick Line. And, you know, the one thing they haven't done is shut down that first line. Shifley's got you know, nine goals, five assists, and in, in ten games in these playoffs. And they've and um, Patrick Line has been scoring nonstop ever since the playoffs started. So they haven't shut down their first line and vice versa with with Nashville that first line's been pretty quiet and the, the Johansson line and Pecorine hasn't been getting the big stops and the Winnipeg goalie has so yeah so that's pretty much what it comes down to um I want to go over to this Pittsburgh series now you know that's a series where it was much Hell- in Connor Hellebuck by the way I couldn't remember the Jets goalie's name <laughs> oh no, nice all right good Connor Hellebuck um <laughs> that sounded so unfair no the Winnipeg goalie Connor Hellebuck um no, this was a much-anticipated series. Everyone talks about Crosby, Ovechkin, Crosby versus Ovechkin. And we found we got it yet again. And it seemed like Pittsburgh has their number, always had their number. But, you know, it, this has been a very back-and-forth series. You know, it's been very entertaining. Ovechkin has showed up, which is what I wanted to see. I wanted to, you know, make, see him have a mark on this series. And he's played well. You know, he's clearly getting a lot of attention from Pittsburgh, as he should. You know, Crosby's obviously doing his thing. He has 20 points dur- during the playoffs, you know, 9 goals, 11 assists. He's doing his thing. So he's playing well as well. So this has been a very back-and-forth series. What do you see here? I mean, this is, what, 3-2? It's 3-2. 3-2 Washington. It's 3-2 Washington going to Pittsburgh for Game 6. Washington looks like a team that isn't afraid, you know? They gave up another two-goal lead Game 1, and you thought – and then they end up losing game one. You thought, you know, same old Capitals. They're going to, you know, keep blowing leads and they're not going to be able to get, get past the Penguins. And then next two games they come out and they shut the Penguins down and handle their business and they go up 2-1. Penguins come back 2-2. And you just think typical Capitals going back to game five. There's no way the Capitals are going to win this game, right? Yeah. Did it anyway. Braden Holpe's p- playing good. He hasn't been great, but he's been, he's been just good, good I, enough. He's been good enough, yeah. And Matt Murray's been very inconsistent on the other end for the Penguins. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Pittsburgh misses Marc Andre Fleury right now because you know I you know if they in previous years if the goaltending was was the way it is right now they would have made a change and went to Marc Andre Fleury they've done it in the past whenever Matt Murray was either injured or not playing well they just make that quick change because they know Fleury had that experience they don't have that anymore and it's 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 showing right now at the same time I mean you can't fault them for what they did Matt Murray was a no two, was no two time winning two time Stanley Cup winning gold goaltender is. Much younger and much cheaper than Mark Andre Fleury, but yet at the same time, they do kind of miss him because if they had Fleury in net right now, they they probably winning this series three one or maybe yeah. they swap the Capitals by now, and and they wouldn't have gone to six games against the the Blue Jackets. What am I saying? Uh, against the Flyers. So yeah, it's it's tough. I, I have to think this series goes seven. The way it's been yeah, back absolutely. and forth, it has there's, to go seven. No way. The Capitals closed. I love it. We're gonna say this, and they're gonna win in six. So there's no way that the Capitals and closes out in six. Although I do think they have all the tools right now, and they have what it takes to get over the hump. I don't see them closing it out in Pittsburgh. I think this is going back to a game seven in Washington. But I do think this is the year Washington gets over the hump. I yeah. think they're gonna get past Pittsburgh here. 
I believe it when I see it. Let's, yeah, let's that's just, true. I, I let's just say when, that. The last, the last game, and the Capitals have actually won four games against the Penguins in a seven-game series. Yeah, because it's like you never. I mean, it, the way the way previous years have gone, it's like you think, oh, this is the team that Washington. You know, they've True. they're so good. We have said a lot. This is the year. This is the year. <laughs> this is the year, and then it's you know Crosby shows up again and just breaks the heart of Washington fans. So, but, but you know what? Why I have I guess a little more confidence in this Capitals team than previous years is that you have Alex Ovechkin doing his thing, right? You know, scoring eight goals in these playoffs, and he, he's not playing any defense like he always does. But, <laughs> that's, that's classic Alex but, but recent years, that has hurt them, like bad. In these playoffs, you've seen one or two instances where, you know, you have the forwards pinching it as far as they do with Alex Ovechkin, and maybe there's a goal or two, but his teammates are really backing him up. His teammates are, are getting back, and it's also not just Alex Ovechkin getting things done. Kuznetsov is having a great series. Backstrom, TJ Oshie is having a phenomenal I, series. I, I'll tell you one thing: they've been running this one play throughout the whole playoffs that's worked on the power play. You know, they have Ovechkin in his prime spot. Where he goes to the same spot, same spot every time, and yeah. you, you know he's going to score from there if he gets it. But they have two people watching him, leaving Oshie open in the middle. They've dished it to Oshie right in the middle in the slot. And it snipes you for a goal. It's happened more than one time throughout the playoffs, and it works every time. Yeah, and that's what I, what I meant when you get players to kind of like, again, with the Cavaliers going back and forth between uh, playoffs here, if you get someone to compliment an Alex Govestian, like a TJ Oshie, they, come, they become almost impossible to stop because you have Ovi on his red dot or on the left side that you know he's going to get his, right? But if you start cheating over there towards which, him... Which you kind of have them, to. Yeah, I guess, yeah, but then you leave the middle wide open for Oshie, or you leave behind the net wide open for Basham, which that's his office back there. Then he can set someone like an Oshie or a Kuznetsov up, or you, you cycle it back up to the point. And again, it kind of becomes unstoppable when you have a force like Alex Obeshkin, who you have to cheat towards, but then when you leave a guy like Oshie open and he finishes, that Capitals offense becomes really scary. Yeah, and you know, this is an offense that has a lot of guys, like you just said, that can beat you. So if they're all playing well, listen, anything can happen. They can they can come out with this series with on top. Yeah. So, uh, but real quick, shout out to Jake Gensel here. Um, not a lot of people talk about him. He's leading the league in playoff points right now. He's been just playing out of his mind for Pittsburgh. And yeah, you can say it's because he plays on a lot of Sidney Crosby. Yeah, but at the same time, he's just super talented. He's super young. So he's been a real bright spot for the Penguins. And I'm looking here. Out of the top 17 point getters in the NHL right now in the playoffs, between Jake Gensel and Patrick Hornquist all the way down the list, he has the least time on ice. So technically, points per time on ice, he's killing it right now. So he's having a good playoff series. And as a Penguins fan, although you're down 3-2 in the series, and maybe this is the year the Capitals beat you, you have no reason to not be optimistic about the future, especially when you have Sidney Crosby as that first-line center, and then you have Gensel either playing on his wing or as a second-line center. With Malkin and Kessel and all the weapons they have, they're going to be right back next year. Oh. I mean, not even pronouncing them dead yet, but they're going to be such a good... I'm just looking at their I mean, roster. They're, they're going to be such a good team for years to come. I was say, they ain't going anywhere. No, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, though, just because it can't pop in my head, like how they have all these veteran guys, but they also have young guys like Jake Gensel and Connor Sheary and Brandon Russ kind of coming up and filling in in some big-time roles. Yeah, and I want to go over to this last series, uh, Tampa wrapping it up against yeah. Boston. You know, Unfortunately for you, I know you had your uh, Vegas bet yeah. for Boston to win the win 0-9 at the Vegas scorebook. Uh, yeah, sportsbook. Uh, it just, 0-9. When it comes to actual putting your money down, it's not really working out too well, you know? But, um, you know, this was... I would I want to say a surprising series. You know, Boston was a very very solid team, but we've been, we've said it again once again. Constantly said it on this podcast. You know, Tampa Bay is a very 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 good team. You know, they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of experience on that roster, and they came to play. Yeah, I mean, coming into these playoffs, Tampa Bay was kind of underrated in terms of they were one seed in the East, and nobody's really picking them to get out of the East because everyone's picking either Pittsburgh or. Or, or Boston, in some cases, the Capitals. No one was really giving them the respect they deserve, including myself, because I had Boston you know, going all the way, and I just thought the way Boston was playing, they, they would be able to handle Tampa Bay if they met them in, in, the, in the second round. And I think we forget how deep this team is. Yeah, and... I mean, just look at the blue line between Ryan McDonough, Anton Stroman, Victor Hedman. Those three guys alone, those are all number one guys on any team. And 
Even Dan Girardi's playing. I got the game winning goal. Dan, got the yeah, game winning goal. I mean, I think that was a little bit of a fluke, but <laughs> Dan Girardi is playing like he did four or five years ago with the Rangers, you know, playing top line minutes and really playing out of his mind. So they have a lot of depth on the blue line. They also have Mikhail Sergeyev back there too, and then up front they just are loaded with scores. Steven Samkos, Nikita Kucherov. How about JT Miller too, man? JT Miller, you know, reviving his himself. I, I playing. Told it. I listen. I said the whole time we were here on the Rangers. Everybody in NHL knew he had the potential to be a 30-goal scorer. Wasn't in the right system. As soon as he gets out of there, what does he do? He's been going off. (laughs) Absolutely. It also helps when you're playing. He's playing with a lot better talent, I feel Yeah, but at the same time, he has chemistry with Nikita Kucherov. Like, they've been playing together for 10 years. They ran a complete two-man cycle, just them two, by themselves on a power play today. And it ended up Kucherov feeding Miller right in the slot to score a goal. That was beautiful. Oh, it was such it was such a beautiful two man cycle, and you saw Boston was kind of cheating towards Stamkos because he was yeah. sitting in the slot. Kucherov and just Miller was passing back and forth to each other four or five times before setting up an absolute dagger of a goal. Yeah, and you know it's I I, I want to say I want to say I told you so, but you, know, you shouldn't have doubted Tampa. I know you were placing your bet and everything, but I so. mean again, I never really bet the favorite, but no, I really thought the way the Bruins were playing. This series was very surprising. I mean, not that Tampa Bay won, but how they won is that Boston came out game one and looked awesome. Ran all over Tampa. Got out to the you know, 1-0 lead to start the series. I think just dropped four in a row because Tampa, it looks like they just had awoken like some type of beast. So And Tampa wakes up and just runs all over Boston. Yeah, it was surprising to me that they were able to finish the series in five. But at the same time, they're absolutely loaded. So... I mean, you have, again, Vegas right now in the West. Like, you think, who's going to stop this team? Who's going to stop Tampa Bay right now? Even, yeah. if, it's the, even if it's the Penguins, who's going to stop Tampa I Bay? Think, I think it, it, it depends on who comes out. I think Tampa will beat Washington if that, that's the case, if Washington ends up coming out. And I, but I think Pittsburgh has a better chance of beating Tampa if, if Pittsburgh ends up beating I think Pittsburgh will match up better against Tampa than, uh, than uh, Washington will because I think – Pittsburgh has a little more depth on the blue line, and they have the, the center depth to kind of c- control things in the defensive end. But well, what's, what's your prediction for that Washington set? I don't know if we ever said it. Uh, my prediction is that the Penguins win game six, so it goes to game seven. And I actually think the Capitals, they should get over the hump and win game seven against Pittsburgh. All right, all right. I'm going to agree with you on game six. I know Pittsburgh's going to win game six, and I'm going to say Washington chokes it away yet again. And loses in Game yeah. Seven in Washington, and Pittsburgh's in a couple. If that happens, probably the best thing for Ranger fans because Barry Trotz gets fired. Uh, the Rangers can hire Barry Trotz as their coach. That's cr- no, he listen. He want, he can't get fired. He, he, he first, get fired. First, first, oh, first in the Metro. They, they, he will absolutely get fired. There's no that's, chance that's, if the Capitals lose a series that Barry Trotz does not get fired. That's I, yeah, yeah. That might say, be the you case. Say first in the Metro, right? They've done the past three years. Have they gotten out of the second round? No. So, I, again, I, I don't think it's Barry Trotz's fault. I think it's just part of the fact that maybe it's just the, the team. Maybe it's just the personality you have. It's not a coaching problem. It's, and it's, it's also just luckily who you're running into. You're running into a really good I mean, Pittsburgh yeah, but team. at the same time, you got to beat them. you yeah. got to beat them once. I mean, so I, if they don't do it this year, I think Trotz is gone, and I think some of these key players are gone, whether it's a Backstrom or an Oshie. I don't think they're going to get rid of Ovechkin because he's been the face of the franchise, but... You have to shake up something, yeah. and I think the main thing for the Capitals, if they come back, you know, if they go lose a series, is that you got to get like a, a true number one defenseman back there. Yeah, you have John Carlson, but he's more of an offensive guy. You need to shut down defensemen. So, and then you need more center depth as well. So, I think maybe you look to ship out one of your high-powered wingers, bring in a center, bring in a, a defenseman, look to free agency, obviously as well. But I mean, it's just it's funny because. Five minutes ago, we were talking as if the Penguin season is <laughs> yeah. over. Penguin season's over. Now we're talking as if the Capital season's over. But all right, just there's so many variables going on. It's I, I love playoff hockey. There's nothing better. What's your prediction, by the way, before we wrap up for the uh, Nashville series? Because that's not over yet. Uh, I no, I said Jets, it, yeah, Jets I said I said Jets six? wrap it up in six. I, I don't think Nashville goes into Winnipeg and comes out with that victory. You know, like we haven't they haven't been playing the sharpest hockey, mm-hmm. and you know to go into that building with that environment. I don't think they come up. Kind of disappointing, though, because I feel like with both Game 6s tomorrow night, you, you we might only get one Game 7 again. And we got in the first round only one Game 7. In the second round, we were looking at these matchups. Wow, Boston, Tampa, Vegas, San Jose, Pittsburgh, Washington, Nashville, Winnipeg. We could have four Game 7s. <laughs> I, I, I said, I think, you know, three of them will go, will go 7, one of them will go 6. We already have a 5. One of them's done. Vegas just finished off San Jose in 6. 
I would assume one of these series are going to end tomorrow night. So I listen. Get, hopefully, we get just one game seven. I'll take six games though. Six games is a good. No, series. you want at least one. Game I know seven. you want at least one game seven, but it's two, better. Two would be better. It's but. better than three zero, three zero in the NBA. I'll say that. So I'll, I'll take True. what I, good I, point. I'll, yeah. I'll take what I can get. Hopefully, uh, we got some game sevens in the conference final. Yeah. So I want to shift over to some baseball right now. Baseball looks a lot different. At least in New York, than the last time we, we discussed uh, some yeah, bit, I, MLB huge on difference here. Two weeks will make. Yeah, right. Uh, a lot a lot of things changing. Um, let's start with the good. You know, with the Yankees, the Yankees are doing exactly the way, what I said. You know, they knew I, I, all along they're going to turn around. Stupid fans that were booing them, especially Stanton. You know, Gary Sanchez. It's like guys, come on! Like really, like, you had to know they were going to turn it around. You know. These, this team is firing on all cylinders. Stanton's hitting well. Gary Sanchez is playing great at a walk-off homer. Glaber Torres, walk-off homer. He, he's showing up as a rookie. He's playing great. So this like Didi Gregorius, obviously, you know, he can't. can't nothing, nothing can be said more about him. He's just playing out of his mind. So and then they're getting a good starting pitching as well. CC Sabathia. Where this? Where is this coming from? This guy, guy's playing out of his mind. What do you mean? Where it's coming from? He does the same thing every year. Well, no, I mean not. He's not pitching this. Not he, didn't, he does it every year. Every year he he'll go his five innings and he'll pitch. You know, one run baseball, and then the bullpen will come in and finish. She's about to does the same thing every year. As long as he's got the gut going on, he's a good and, pitcher. And, and Luis Severino is you know Cy Young caliber. He's the kid's a stud. You know, had a complete game shutout. Yeah, you you were hoping that after all the promise from last season, which he kind of. Stepped into that number one guy role. You you would hope he would take you know that next step. And early in the season, it looked like he might be having a little bit of a sophomore ish type slump, but he kind of put all the those doubts to rest. And he looks like a legitimate again Cy Young candidate like he was last year. And looks like he's taking that next step. Yeah, I would say the one downside for the Yankees is, would still be Dylan Betances. You know, he's still up and down. He, he's had blue he had, lead today. Yeah, well, yeah. He I don't know why they wanted to pitch him two innings, but. Um, I think Aaron blood, just, he just wants to get some confidence in him. Well, yeah, you know, get him out there for one inning and get him, get him a, a, a scoreless inning, get him out of there. But uh, you know, he ended up blowing the lead. But the Yankees with this four, 15 out of 16, you know, comebacks from four down and score seven runs, seven unanswered runs to come away with the victory. The, the Yankees have just been doing everything flawlessly. But Listen, you know who else has been doing everything flawlessly? The Boston Red Sox. I mean, it's a testament that the Yankees have gone nine and one in the last ten, and still are a game out of first place. Because the Red Sox are another team clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, where well, they've been dealing with some adversity. Mookie Betts in the last ten, but Mookie Betts, Betts exactly. Mookie Betts is amazing. he's playing phenomenal. phenomenal. Uh, he's at the top of the leaderboards in almost every offensive category, and he's literally leading this team. Chris Sale, he's been pitching like a stud. Ace. He's, Maybe he's, David Price has turned around a little bit. Yeah, you no, know, he's also playing really good. Who you you doubted me when I picked him up in fantasy, Rick Porcello. He's uh, having a great season. I, I feel like I just have a grudge against him because he won the Cy Young with a three year already. But you know, listen, he's a solid pitcher, a especially pitcher. when when you you need was he a, th- was a third starter there after Price. You know, you yeah, know, he, he he, a he's a solid third third guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know, he's he, a one on a lot of teams. Uh, yeah, he's one one two. I would go. He's a solid two guy on 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 the good teams. Good he's team. a one on the race. <laughs> but wait, wait, the Rays been playing well. Already, they, right? No, no. They, they, at one point, they at one point they uh, went nine and one in the last in the last ten, and there's still three games on the five hundred. Yeah. So that that you know signals the start of the season. No, they, they've been playing better. The Rays. Blake Snell is actually finally looking like a number one like ace pitcher. He's been playing. He's been pitching awesome. Chris Archer not so much, but again, I was never really big on Chris Archer. So you know. We'll probably trade both of them anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, right. just a little bit on the race. They've been playing well. Uh, they're getting production. Have guys like um, Denard Span. <laughs> I was about to say anybody. Denard Span, <laughs> who's like fifty-five years old. So, uh, but in talk, we want to talk about a real team. Another team, kind of like the Angels, who've been hot. LA Angels. Yeah, the Rain- Rain- right up there in the AL West, right with the Astros for first place. Mike Trout. Mike Trout's Mike hit a ball at like five hundred feet the other day. It's like the guy's the guy just does everything so good, and it's Shohei Otani was hurt, came back. I believe he made the start today. Or he's making a start tomorrow against the Mariners. So again, he's another one who's having a phenomenal season for them. Yeah, and you know this team's fire finally clicking at all cylinders and giving Mike Trout help. You know we've seen it in the past. Right. You know this he Mike Trout was supporting. Yeah, cast. Mike Trout was the only person going out there and doing his thing and and kind of looking around like anybody else want to join me. <laughs> and you know they have also had Albert Pools joining the three thousand hit club. The guys had a phenomenal career: six hundred homers, three thousand hits. 
you know, what more could be said? You know, this guy's still going strong. He's still he's not the you know the scary force that he was in St. Louis, but he's still getting the job done. He's still he's still someone you got to watch out for. So he's still doing his thing, and he, you know, three thousand hits is you know, phenomenal. Absolutely. So I want to get your opinion on this because you're obviously more of the uh, baseball guy than I am. So you see, like the powerhouses right now in the AL. We'll, we'll focus on the AL for now. You got the Red Sox, you got the Yankees, you have the Indians who are only sitting at 500, so they're a bit of a disappointment, but I don't think there's any doubt they're going to run away with that division, considering the Twins aren't having that great of a year. The Tigers, Royals, and White Sox all look like, you know, lottery teams, or, you know, hockey talk, lottery teams. (laughs) And then you have the Angels and Astros, who who could be a surprise team here that could possibly make a run in the AL? And you look at the Mariners, maybe, they're five games over 500. The Twins were a feel-good team last year. The Blue Jays are playing pretty great, pr- pretty good baseball. It ain't going to be the Rays, unfortunately. <laughs> so I, I think you know the cutoff is you know the Rays, the Tigers, maybe the maybe the A's who've been playing good. A lot of their young guys are stepping up in the grill. So who who do you think might be a super well, team in the AL to to maybe like upset and bump out a team like the Angels or, or maybe the Red Sox or something like it, that? It's tough because when you look at it, you have those top teams in the in in, in all of baseball. I want to say. And then there's those top teams, and then it goes right to the bottom. There's not that many of those mid-tier teams that can make a run. But looking at it, you know, you have to say either – it's hard to say the Blue Jays because it's going to be tough to, you know, face the Yankees, face the Red Sox as often as they're going point. to. Looking at their, so, at their schedule, yeah. you know, it's, it's the same thing with the Mariners. they got to go through the Astros who are our fire uh, powerhouse and the Angels. So if I had to pick out of those teams, I'd probably go with the Mariners. You know, they, are, they are playing some good baseball. It's I don't have confidence in the Twins, the Tigers. I don't have confidence in any of those teams in that division. That you know, no no teams over five hundred in that division. The Indi- like you said, the Indians are seventeen and seventeen, and they're leading the division. So I don't have confidence in any of those other teams. Yeah, but uh, but making that point, just because you said it about you know the division that they're in, the Twins could I guess make a run because they can beat up on teams like the Tigers, yeah. the Royals, and the White Sox. So being that. On that point, building off that, I think, yeah, you're right. Because the Blue Jays, it's going to be tough having the matchup with the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know, what, 12 more times this year each? So, yeah, that'll be tough. So, and then the same thing with the Mariners, having to face the Angels and the Astros. Yeah, so that's why I would think it's tough on that part. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go, you know, Seattle. Yeah. You know, like I said, they are playing good baseball, and they have do have potential. Isn't it, isn't it funny, though, only 35 games into the season? This pretty much looks like what we expected as the playoff picture, where you got yeah. either the Yankees or the Red Sox, one in the uh, East, I mean, Indians in the Central, or then the Angels or the Astros in the West. Yeah, it's obviously have a lot, a lot of season left. Oh yeah, things can change. Ninety games left. You never know. But so, at the same time, you but, kind of think expected that the Angels and yeah. the Yankees or the Red Sox would be the wild card game. So yeah, that's true. It, it that's gonna be huge to see who comes out with that wild card. That whoever wins the AL East, whoever wins the. Uh, you know the AL West because that's you know you have to play at the playing game. Then yeah. if you lose that game, you're out of the whole playoffs. You so, have a, like a 92-93 win team like the Angels or even the Astros having to play you know a playing game. So that'd yeah. be really interesting. So it's it's tough. And now we can finally go over to the National League and we can, Are you sure you want to do that. We can we can start. We have to start with the New York Mets. The train wreck that's happening. You know they had first two and a half weeks. You know they couldn't have been on top uh, higher. They were on top of the world. Everything going right for them, clicking on all cylinders, and then they forgot you have to play another Wheels next off. next three weeks. Yeah. Um. This team right now, you know, nothing can go right for them. Literally every move, every you know move that's made is the wrong move. Um. They, they have can't injuries. They can't score runs. So we were at the game on Saturday, and they did not look good. They got they, they got shut out. Um. You know, Matt Harvey situation. I we have to address it. Um. It's it was it's just a shame to see. This guy was at one point on top of the world in New York. He was the savior. He was the he was that really first guy to come up out of these pitchers, and he was you know he started the All Star game as a stud, and he you know went to the World Series. He had that big World Series game. I always you know fault people uh, people that said oh they shouldn't have sent him out there for the ninth. You know the guy was pitching so good at the time, and you know he wanted the ball. Give it, he was an ace. Give the guy the ball. Yeah, and, but at the same time, as soon as he walks that first batter, you take him out. You don't leave him yeah. out there. Literally that could be the turning point in his career. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, because after that game, what did he do? Yeah. It was all downhill from there. It's tough. And, you know, to see him you know, be designated for assignment, you know, he's 
gone. He declined a, a minor's assignment. He did not want to go Which, to Vegas. Given his ego, it's not very surprising. Yeah, you know, but I was I made the joke, you know, why go to Vegas? You could party up and play some minor league games for a little bit, but he nah. does enough partying. I yeah. think it affects his game just you know, just enough. Yeah, so uh, it's it's a shame to see what happened to Matt Harvey. He was such a good pitcher at one point, and then the wheels were just to fall off as quickly as they did for him. You know, we'll see what happens if he. You know, I'm sure he'll land with another team uh, somewhere, maybe with the Rays. You know, you never know. They need they need some starting pitching, so we'll they see. Starting, they have three starters, <laughs> but you know what? They're not going to do sign a starting pitcher. No, bullpen days. Yeah, so bullpen rotation, bullpen days. So we'll see what happens there. As as far as the Mets go. You know, it's 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 tough to see. You know, Syndergaard's not pitching his best. He's given up a couple couple runs here and there. That's very unlike him. You know, outside of those top two guys, which Jacob Degrom just got put on the disabled list, he's gonna only gonna miss one start though. He's really been the best guy for them. And to see him get injured, you know, hitting out of all things, not even to be a pitcher. Yeah, it's just, it's that, that also kind of speaks to the fact that. Like, why are pitchers hitting? Why is there not a DH in the NL? Yeah. Like I get it. It's tradition. It's baseball. It's old school. Get rid of it, man. Get rid of get rid of the um, the picture hitting. There's no point because then you have an ace like Jacob Degrom going out and hyperextending his elbow and could have messed up his bicep. And anytime you get anything going on in that elbow area with pictures, you get real concerned. Well, when I when I got the update on my phone, I was like elbow injury. I was like, no, don't tell me he this guy was. Yeah, right. as soon as I, it, it's kind of just. Instinct now is baseball fans where elbow injury, but UCL. Yeah, once, once I read it, I was like, wait, wait, wait it, it was while he was hitting. It's okay. It's while he was hitting. But anyway, it looks like he's going to be okay. They're just kind of doing this out of precautionary issue, you know, just to miss one start, come back, be healthy. But, you know, as far as his team, team as a whole goes, I feel like they have to level out at some point because, like I said, they were at such a high for those first two and a half, three weeks of the season. And then to be at such a low point right now where nothing is going right, there has to be a middle ground that they're gonna hit, cause you know they're not. This is not gonna go on for the for the whole season. They're not. They're not this bad of a team. Well, no, they're, they're, again, you said that last year when they kind of hit well, the skid last in, year. With, with the injury bug killed them. Yeah, last but year, but which, again, the injury bug. You got Degrom out now. You had Cespedes leave the game today with, of course, a quad because the guy doesn't believe in water. So, I mean, is there any? And with the Mets history, is there any? I'm a real belief that the injury bug will well, stop. They, put, they, they replaced the whole training staff. Remember that now. I don't know. You, yeah, you, exactly. know, you, know, you never know how this is going to work out. We'll see. You know, Jay Bruce, Todd Frazier have been struggling mightily. Michael Conforto cannot hit the ball right now, which I will say for him, he, he didn't have a spring training, so he's, he's about a, a little under a month playing uh, right now. So that would kind of be his spring training. So if you wanted to count, like his season would just be starting right now. Who know, you know? Who's is it, what he? Uh, with the Mets, someone's got to hit the ball because again, we got the game yesterday. They got shut out. They got they, nobody can hit. I yeah, mean, they went zero six on the homestand. It's yeah. not exactly what you want. They to be are doing. absolutely atrocious as well with runners in scoring position. And you saw it have been in the season with guys like Todd Frazier and Jay Bruce and Joanna Cespedes. Every time there was a big spot, they got a big hit, and now yeah. their bats gone silent. So. And Mickey Calloway is trying to change things up between DH and Conforto or Ligaris and putting Nimmo in center field. He's trying different combinations, but nothing is coming to fruition right yeah. now. And just the one bright side for the Mets, I will say, you know, their bullpen is still pitching decent. They're not pitching lights out as they were in the beginning of the season. But also another thing, you know, they, they, everyone thought the Nationals would be like, all right, they're going to run away with this division yet again. They're still, you know, 18-17. and 17, And the Mets are oh, two games over five hundred, you know, in front of them. And you know, however, when you look at it though, the Mets are two and eight in the last ten. Nationals seven and three. Nationals are starting to play good baseball. Yeah. The Mets are starting to play very bad baseball. Well, I'm saying what, with how bad they've been playing, they're not kill. They're not dead. You know, in the cellar yet. There's yeah. still room to improve. They can turn around and get back up. As long as you're not worse than the Marlins, you're okay. <laughs> Listen, uh, not, they haven't been terrible recently either. So I can't kill the Marlins. So they're also seven and three in the last. 10. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. There's still a room to improve. Got to talk about the Braves too. Very, the, Braves, the Braves have been very impressive. Young, except they're kind of like the Yankees all the two years ago, where maybe they arrived a little too early, even, but even, they're fun to watch. Even to Philly, even the Phillies have been yeah, playing well. Phillies so both well. both of those teams are playing good baseball, and you know the Mets just had a series with the Braves. They swept them, and they looked like a better baseball team than Mets. Yeah, but, everybody looks and like. And that's better. what should give Mets fans so much worry right now, and that's why. The Mets should have the pressure, all the pressure in the world to win right now. Because when you look at the Mets, and then you look at the team like the Braves and the Phillies, the Braves and the Phillies have all young prospects, right? They're almost like Dan B. Swanson and Acuna on the Braves. All young guys who just got called up within the past year or two, who are starting to fill bigger major league roles. The Mets 
I mean, who do they have in their pipeline? Nobody. Yeah. They're a win-now team. As much as maybe an outside fan looks at the Mets, like, no, they're not a win-now team. Like, Todd Frazier, Yohannes Espedes, Jay Bruce, your three main guys, they're all over 30. You're a win-now team. Yeah, that's so very good there's point. pressure. And I'm sorry, like, I, I get it. Like, you don't want to make a move so early. You need a freaking catcher, man. <sighs> get up. Tom, Tomas Nito, yeah, I get I love his tattoos. Sick. <laughs> All right, you need a real catcher, though. Like, you need to trade for some. I, I get it. Like, oh well, we don't have a future as it is. So why are we going to go trade someone but like it's, Brandon Nimmo? It, it, it's it's also it's tough. Nobody wants to make a trade this early in the season. So no, I'm saying, oh no, why would the Marlins make it make that trade? No, he, he's the one guy that can. The maybe Marlins trade the whole other oh, eight starters they had last year. Why not trade the ninth? Yeah. But, why why would the Marlins keep anybody with any promise right now other than the young starting pitchers? And they shouldn't. And you know another thing: the teams know that the Mets are desperate, so they're going to ask for a haul in return. So it's 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 a tough spot to and be if, in. Again, but if you're the Mets, like your window to win is this year, next year, maybe. The Braves, their window to win, they could have just opened it for the next five years. Same thing with the Phillies. Nationals would be good for the next three years. The Marlins are not going to be good for the next twenty years. But the Mets, they have a window of like one, two, possibly maybe two years. Now is the time that you're not rebuilding for the future here. You have no prospects anyway. Yeah, so uh, there will, a lot of things have to change for this Mets team. Mickey Cow is going to try to do some things different and try to get this team going. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they turn and things you around. Get the stuff Look, healthy. Yeah, looking around national, other other teams in the National League, you know, NL Central looking pretty good NL here. NL Central is the know? best division in baseball right yeah, now. Yeah, you know, you know, one, four out of five teams over 500, you good know. Yeah. Look at the Reds. Jeez. The same record as the Orioles. The Reds are 8-26. and 26. The Orioles are 8-26. Eight Jeez. That's, yeah. that's rough. It's, it's tough being in the best division in baseball and having a subpar team because, I mean, you look at the Cubs, two games over 500 in fourth place. The Pirates have been pretty consistently good all season. They got off that really hot start where I believe they were 10-2. and two, And from there, they've been consistent. They're three games over 500. The Brewers are five games over 500 in the second place. And you have the Cardinals right now who are currently playing the Cubs, also in first place. So that division... From the moment the season started, with the exception of the Reds, has been back and forth where you saw the Cubs in first, you saw the Pirates in first, you've seen the Brewers in first, and now you have the Cardinals in first. So, and that'll be a really fun, fun division to watch all season. Speaking of wild card, like we were just discussing before, this the, the both of the wild card teams could come out of this division. So it the might, it's looking, might yeah. be my the pressure might be high to win your division if you're in those other divisions in the National League. Especially if you're the Mets in the National that's League. What, yeah, that's what I'm saying, to, yeah. You know, make the playoffs this year. So. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of promising things coming out. And you're kind of worried if you're the Cubs, right? Because you have all the star power. And, yeah, you, you've been playing better as a recent, but you don't want to dig yourself too big of a hole right now, especially trying to catch up to these teams. Yes, there's still a lot of inter-division play that will determine a lot, but you got to make sure you win those series. you got to make sure you win, you know, two out of three, three out of four against your, your inter-division rivals here. Yeah, and looking at the NL West, you know, Clayton Kershaw just going on, the DL for the Dodgers, that ain't looking good Good for them. It's already we, looking like maybe we, a lost season. We, 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 we've spoken about their tough start. Um, you know, they're still 15-19. and 19. It's not looking too too much better for them. You know, Max is still going strong. Even the Colorado Rockies playing good baseball. You know, Nolan Arenado doing his thing. You know, Ian Desmond not really doing that that much, but he did no. have some big hits today yeah. against the Mets. But, you know, this, this team looking good. Even the Giants. Four games over five hundred. Told you, not too bad. And we'll see. We'll see what happens here from but, there. But no, this just points to how fucking terrible we are at doing these predictions. Because two weeks ago, or not two weeks ago, maybe a month ago, we said the three powerhouses in the NL with the slow starts: the Nationals, the Cubs, and the Dodgers. Right? All were predicted to win their divisions. All got off to really bad starts. And we said if there was one team that you think would turn around, it'd be the Dodgers. Right? They're the only team right now not on the <laughs> That's just how. Dumb we are, man. How bad we are. No, predictions every prediction we make is it's the opposite. It's, so. it's, exactly. Just, so just like in the NHL, when we said, oh, you know, the Capitals, Penguins, that'll go seven. That'll be over tomorrow night. Oh, the Jets are going to finish up. That'll go seven. The Predators will win that series. So Yeah, so. We're terrible, we're terrible <laughs> man. We're going to go to Vegas and start booking these things and then do the opposite of what we think. You need to, if you ever go to Vegas, you need to call me and be like, Tom, the spread on this game is this. What do you think? And I'll tell you. Just bet the opposite. Right, just bet your whole savings on the opposite, and I guarantee you'll win. Uh, all right. Yeah. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this ep- this week. Any, just, any uh, more thoughts? Real quick, with, with, the, uh, with baseball, shout out to the Diamondbacks, man. Nobody talks about them because, you know, they're the they're Arizona. Arizona's team. 
They're, they're good, man. Nick uh, Nick Almeida shortstop, Jeremy Lamb at third AJ base. AJ. Yeah, they got some good – They get, again, that's another team kind of like with the Braves who – I mean, I think their talent-wise a lot better, but a good young team who are going to be good for a while. So shout-out to the Diamondbacks, man. Nobody talks about them ever. They're kind of like the Rays of, of the uh, the NL, but except they're actually good. Except they're good, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, when and the they, Rays were good, you know, five years ago, nobody talked about the Rays either. So just nobody, And that's – again, nobody expected them maybe to be good. be a Diamondbacks fan. <laughs> I thought you, you you were mentioning coming back to the Mets yesterday, but because I was at the game, there's adult beverages involved, and I was like, I'm ready to come back. They're down too well, like no signs of no signs of life. I'm like, I'm ready to come back. Yeah, that's I'm like, gonna come to every tr- no the, the, game the, with the, you guys. The best part was we're trying to get our section going with a chant and. Just Oh, here crickets and nobody said a damn word. And I'm like, what the? Fuck, it was guys? literally the, the exact of like me trying to start a let's go Rangers chant. You know, game six of the Eastern Conference Final, and the Rangers are down two nothing to the Senators. Oh, uh, it's like, hey, it's anybody, any, anybody want to cheer on the team? We got a hit. Hey, let's go back. Nope. All right. <laughs> literally, we were sitting there, me and you and our friend Anthony, and we're sitting there de- debating. All right, when do we start the let's go Mets chants? And scroll, and Anthony goes, Well, as soon as we got a hit first, <laughs> then we just okay, yeah, good idea. One single, you know, bloop down the line. Let's go! Let's like, we have life! We got it! It's really actually pathetic going to Mets games and pretending like I'm a Met fan. Because literally, you, you have to plan, all right, so we'll say let's go Mets as soon as we get a hit. But you nobody wait, cares anyway! You have to wait eight innings for it, but, you know, eventually we'll get it. And still, nobody nobody decided to cheer what we wanted to yeah, start the Tough chance. time to be a Mets fan, which I don't blame them being that you're down 2 nothing and you have two hits in the game. So, uh, tough time being a Mets tough, fan. So tough. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. I pretty much going to wrap up this week's podcast. Any last words? Follow us Instagram. Follow us Twitter. Listen to us on 12 Ounce Sports Radio every Monday starting at 6.30 p.m. If you haven't known, we've been there for a couple weeks and very proud of it. So. Yeah. Everything's going well. So, all right. Buy some fish tank apparel stuff. Great people. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. Basement Banner. Out. <laughs>